0: Amen. Book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm just going to dive right in today. Deuteronomy chapter number 8, starting with the very first verse. The Lord is speaking here. We know that Moses is credited with writing this, but the Lord is speaking here. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 1. All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do. Oh, that's a that's a great statement, right? Observe, not just observe, but observe to do. Does that make sense? Don't just look at them. Don't just be aware of them, but observe them, be aware of them, to do them. James said we shouldn't just be a hearer of the word, we should be a doer. Observe them to do them. But there's a benefit if you observe them and do them, that you may live. That's, that's a great benefit. Amen. Anybody like living? I like that benefit. Sometimes we read over things so fast we don't pause and realize what this is. So observe them to do them so that you'll live. And not only will you live, you'll multiply. Not only will you live and multiply, you will go in and you will possess the land which the Lord swear to your fathers. Now, I realize this is an Old Testament scripture written to the children of Israel, but there are principles in these scriptures that apply, and we'll see them as we go a little further this morning. He continues, and, verse 2, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you. We sang that song all my life. He's been faithful. Now, there's not a one of us here in this room that can say all my life I've been faithful. But he can say, we can say all our life he's been faithful. Even when I didn't know it, even when I wasn't aware, even when I was going wrong directions, even when I was making poor choices, even when I was falling and failing, he was faithful. He was faithful. You know how faithful he was? during those times when you and I were going the wrong direction, failing, falling, making a mess of life, if the adversary could have destroyed us, he would have. But the faithfulness of God said, no, I'm not done. And they may not be going the direction I'd like them to go right now. But I'm going to bring someone into their life. I'm going to bring someone into their relationship and i'll allow them to see that i was there the whole time even when they didn't know i was there i saw them i knew them before i formed them in their mother's womb notice what he said remember don't remember the past failures remember all the way which the lord your god led you these 40 years in the wilderness I'll just say this. The adversary likes to use our past against us. Don't let him do that. Our past. Why doesn't the Lord cause us to forget our past? Because the past is a reminder of what God has delivered us from. So we rejoice that God has delivered us. So when the enemy brings our past up to try to condemn us, we say, hold on a minute. That's what God has done. That's what God has brought. I used to be, but I'm not that anymore. I made that mistake, but I'm not living in that anymore. The blood of the Lamb has washed my life. Thank you, Jesus. And so my past, the Lord allows you and I to remember our past, so we have a place of praise. Don't let the adversary twist that. I'm trying to get somewhere. we got to keep reading here. So remember all the ways which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Now he had a purpose. Somebody listen today. There are principles in these scriptures we must lay hold of. The Lord allows you and I to go through wilderness circumstances. This is the design of God. Somewhere along the way, this idea crept in, especially in North America, that when I start living for God, my life should really get all blessed and perfect and wonderful and prosperous, and I should... No problem, no pain, no difficulty, no, like, how come? I'm trying to live for God, but God knows the plans he has for you. And so the Lord, there's a principle here because he's God and he changes not. So when he does some things certain ways, we see the principles of them. We understand, okay, this is a way that God works. And so watch what the scripture says about the Lord saying here. Remember where I led you. And this is why I led you through wilderness places, to humble you. We don't like that. Nobody likes being humbled. But the Lord takes us through wilderness places to humble us. Not only to humble us, to prove us. You know, I was raised as a military kid, and... Uh, the last few years that my dad that raised me was in the military he was on a training base or a training post uh fort leonardwood and so they had all these basic trainees and so when they would have them when they would train them they would give them these mock m16s they weren't real because they hadn't proved them they weren't taking these 18 year old kids that didn't sum up many of them probably never shot a gun of any type in their life they weren't taking those 18 year old kids and going Here's an automatic M16. We'll just put that in your hand and see if you can figure this out. No, no, no. no. we got to prove some things. And so they would give them this mock M16, full scale, full weight, but didn't function, didn't do anything. It was just solid. Um, and But then through time, they would teach them to clean it, to test it, to do it. Why would they want them to do that? Because they definitely wouldn't want them if they were ever taken into a place of war to have a weapon that hadn't been tested. The time to find out if a weapon's going to work or not isn't when you're in the midst of a battle. Amen? And so they would prove it. That's what the training purpose was. This is sort of what the Lord... this I, I, That comes to my mind when I read to prove you. The Lord has plans and desires and destiny upon every one of our lives, desiring to use each and every one of us for His purpose and for His glory. Amen? So He wants to do this. And so what does He do? There's some things He has to do, and He uses the wilderness to do these things. He has to humble us. Why? Because when He uses us, we can't think it was us that did it. But He also has to prove us. What's our motive? Where's our heart at in Him using us? Is it about me getting credit or glory? Is about... So He takes us. The wilderness does this. The wilderness proves us. It's how he uses it. He uses life's trials, tests, circumstances, pains, pressures to prove you. To do what? To know what's in your heart. That's motive. Motive. What's in your heart? Are you interested in serving me as long as it benefits you personally? Or is your living for and serving me about my purpose and my plan Are you truly willing to abandon your will for mine? The wilderness finds that out. Because when everything's going great and wonderful and good, we're all in, right? But man, when it gets difficult, hold on a minute. This isn't what I signed up for. The wilderness proves us, and the Lord uses that. These are His words. I'm taking you through the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what's in your heart, and to know whether you will keep my commandments or not. That statement in plain old English says, and I'm going to know whether you'll be obedient or not. This matters. But watch. Those were just little tidbits. Verse 3. And he humbled you, and he suffered you to hunger. Now, not only did he do all that stuff he said he was going to do, he let you be hungry. What kind of God, this loving God, would allow you to be hungry? You know, Isaiah said that the Lord's ways are far above our ways. And the Lord's thoughts are far above our thoughts. You ever heard that before? And... The challenge for you and I is when we come into relationship with God and submit our lives to God and say, God, I want to be used of you. I want you to take my life, and here I am, is we start trying to figure out what God's doing. Anybody ever done that besides me? Yeah, you know, you're as human as I am. God, what is this about? What are you doing? Fix this. Change this. Get me out of this. And the Lord said, I'm not getting you out. I'm the one that led you into it. Except he doesn't always say that, and so you don't know why in the world. But he knows. Wouldn't it be great if the Lord said, hey, it's okay. I know this time, place, season is very difficult in your life, but this is my plan, and I'm going to do this and this and this with it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God did that? But he doesn't, does he? He doesn't say, hey, I know you're having a very difficult time on your job right now, but I'm using this. I'm going to find out whether you're going to walk in alignment with authority or not. I'm going to find out on your job. I know you're having a difficult time with, with a, a family member right now, but I'm going to find out. Are you going to manifest the love of God, or are you going to take matters in your own hands and begin to try to control and manipulate? I, I know that this is a challenge in your body right now physically, and you can't, but I'm going to teach you that I'm a healer. You're going to learn that your hope comes from me. And so the Lord uses circumstances of life to do these things, but He doesn't tell us that's what He's doing. But He does tell us that's what He does. So he brings these things into our life. If he told us, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm doing it, this is what the outcome will be, if you'll then we'd be like, oh, okay. But see, by him not telling us, he humbles us and he proves us, and he finds out what's in our heart, and he finds out if we'll be obedient to him or not. See how that works? And so this is the way God works. We want answers. He wants trust. I'm going to say that again for somebody. We want answers. He wants trust. We want solutions. He wants faith. We want problems fixed. He wants confidence in Him in the midst of the problem. He is faithful come on would you talk to the lord with me right now before we go any further i trust you lord I trust you, Lord, my confidence is in you, not in the wisdom of men, but in the wisdom of God. I trust your ways. I trust your doing. I do not question whether your hand is on my life or not. I do not question whether you're in control or not. Uh, Father, afresh and anew, I submit to your plan. Afresh and anew, I submit to you. Oh, Father, I trust your ways. I trust your ways. Even when I do not understand, I trust your ways, Lord. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. We see this pattern borne out in Job's life with what he went through. We come to the place in Job's life where Job said, man, I'm trying to figure out what in the world's going on. Paraphrase and saving you, reading 38 chapters. But 40 chapters, I guess, didn't really change till the 41st, but. but we find Job there, and at one point, he says, man, I go forward, and God's not there, and I look behind, and he's not there, and I go to the left hand where this has happened, but he's not there, and I go to the right where I know he's not work. I, I'm trying to visit places where I've had these, and he's not there. I just can't seem to find... He wasn't saying he was God's lost. He said, I can't find answers to what I'm going through. But he makes this statement. He said, but he knows the way that I take. I may not understand what's going on, but I have a firm resolve and conviction in my spirit. He knows. He's not unaware. He knows the way that I take. And then Job makes a commitment with his mouth. He said, and when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. What was he saying? I may not understand what's going on right now, but this one thing I know, I'm not stepping out of the plan of God. I'm not stepping away from my commitment to the king. I'm not stepping away from my commitment to him that I committed my life to. Come what may, he knows where I'm at. And when he's tried me, he recognized God was in the midst of what he was going through. And when he's tried me, I love that declaration. That was faith, you understand. I will come forth as gold. That's faith. See, sometimes in your circumstances, you got to say, Lord, do what you got to do. I'm staying in this. I'm staying in it. And when you're done, God, I'm going to come forth as gold. I'm going to come forth as gold. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. Isn't that what the apostle said? See, the Lord does these things to strengthen, to establish, and to settle you. Just a little while. So he humbled you and he suffered you to hunger. He had a purpose in allowing them to hunger. And he fed you with manna that you did not know. Neither did your fathers know. He did a work in a way that you'd never seen done before, and he did things you'd never witnessed before. He did something in their lives that no individual, no part of humanity had ever seen happen before. You think he wouldn't do that in your life? But our human reasoning begins to work through and process and how it needs to fix. He's God. He's God. He's in control. He did all of this, He let them hunger. Why would a loving God, back to that question I asked while ago, why would a loving God allow people to hunger? Because he had a plan beyond, he was trying to take them beyond their natural need. He let you hunger, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Remember verse 1 where we read, observe to do that you may live? We come back full circle there by the time we get to verse 3. The Lord lets you hunger because He wanted to do something in a supernatural way so that you would know you don't live by the natural alone. Stop just looking to natural provision to be your source of living. He knows what you have need of before you ask. He knows what I have need of before I ask. But he was trying to teach a principle here to the people of God that remains. And this is a purpose of wilderness in our life. I want to teach you that you don't live through natural sustenance and provision alone. But life comes to you by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's how man lives. The living word of God. Fast forward with me in case you thought we were going to be a long time back there. To Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4, very familiar passage of Scripture. To many of you, it's where the Lord Jesus Christ went into the wilderness himself. And there in the wilderness, he was tempted forty. after he fasted for 40 days. He was tempted of Satan. Remember that story? Remember that place in history in the life of Christ? So we find him there, tempted 40 days of the devil. He didn't eat anything. So he was probably hungry. Some of you heard me say this before this is one of the funniest it just sort of hits me funny when i read it verse 2 of luke 4 it says in those days he did eat nothing and when they were ended he afterward hungered i'm always like man 40 days i'm hungry by day two not afterward afterward he hungered okay? i'm like of course he did but watch so notice In this place of natural weakness, somebody get this. In this place of natural weakness, the adversary came. The adversary has patterns too. And in this, you think, man, if I've been praying and fasting for 40 days, I can take on anything. Right. Right. The adversary understood, he's weak right now. I'm taking my shot. And so the adversary comes and said to him, the devil said to him, if you be the son of God, different message for a different time, but you can read through this whole chapter, at least through the temptation of Christ, and you really see what the adversary is doing is questioning his identity more than anything. If you be the son of God prove it. Do something to prove your identity. Hear me today. When we know who we are in Christ, we don't have to do anything to prove it. Don't fall into that trap of the adversary. There will be works that are done through our lives when the Lord chooses to do them, but God forbid we fall into the pressure and the trap of trying to prove our identity in Christ. That's a temptation of the adversary to get you an idling on the arm of the flesh. If you be the son of God, watch what he said, command these stones that you they be made bread. Bread probably sounded pretty good right about then. I sort of picture nice and hot coming right out of the oven. Soft and warm, maybe a little butter on the side. I don't know. Verse 4. I'm getting hungry. Verse 4. And Jesus answered him. Jesus went back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 that we just read. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8 to the to the devil. And he said, "It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God." By every word of God. There where we notice you say, well, "Hold on, it said proceedeth out." Right, that was Old Testament, that was Hebrew. Here we see Jesus speaking in Aramaic or it's written in the Greek. But he makes this statement. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What did he do? He brought that principle that was given to the children of Israel by the Lord in Deuteronomy. He brought it into the present dealing with the adversary. Why? Because the principle remains true. Life does not come from natural provision. Life comes from the living word of God. Life comes from the living Word of God. The literal there is, but by every rhema of God. Not the logos, not the written Word of God, but the rhema of God. Rhema is the breathed out Word of God, the uttered Word of God, the spoken Word of God. Man lives, I could say it just like this and not changing anything at all in Scripture. Man does not live or will not live by bread alone, but by every uttered, breathed out, spoken Word of God. You want life? you got to get it. And so the wilderness will do this to you. The wilderness will do one of two things. It will cause you either to get on your face before God. That's the humbling of myself. God, I don't know what I'm going through. God, I don't understand. And I don't know what to do. But you know, God, I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your direction. I pray for your instruction. I pray for your help, for vain is the help of man. God, I need your wisdom in this hour. I need to know what to do about my marriage. I need to know what to do about my job. I need to know what to do about my family. I need to know what to do for my lost loved ones. I need to know. And it will humble you, the circumstance I'm in, the situation I'm in. I don't know what to do. It will humble you if you let it. Or else you'll seek to continue to operate in your flesh. I got this. I'm strong. I got to be stronger. And I'll go. And here's what. I'll tell you what happened. Pride. Pride What? If you won't let it humble you, pride will rise up. And pride will say, you know what? I'm going to go. And here's the deception of pride. Watch this. This is just between me and the Lord. I'm going to go back here into my closet of prayer and my prayer sounds different here's how my prayer sounds oh god make me strong make me stronger give me strength to get through this and it subtle not saying you shouldn't ask god for strength but watch and then i come out of my closet okay put on a good face be strong sure about it okay this is what i'm gonna do this is what i'm gonna do this is what i'm gonna do anybody know what i'm talking about Didn't get any direction from God. Didn't get any clarity from God. Still haven't obeyed what God gave you to do because it was so contrary to your flesh, and so pride is still there. See how subtly deceptive that can be? And then we make statements like, well, I prayed about it. Right. Can I just tell you something in love today? If you pray and talk to God about a situation, but you go in with no intent to hear from Him and do what He tells you to do, you're wasting your time praying. Prayer is not convincing God to do what I want to do. Prayer is humbling myself before God and seeking to hear from Him about what He wants me to do. Please talk to the Lord again with me right now. This is so important for so many of us. Some of you say, Why am I still struggling? It could very well be you're not yet observing to do what He told you to do. That's how you live. My prayer must change from telling God what he needs to do to saying, God, what do you want to do? And how do I participate with you in what you're asking of me? I humble myself before you, Lord. I don't have the answers, I'm not strong enough. But you are. You are. This is the principle from Deuteronomy. This is the principle that Jesus is declaring here. Man does not live by natural provision or sustenance, but man truly gets life from the uttered Word of God. When you get into that closet of prayer and humility and you hear from God on a matter, you can get up and go, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm... Well, that doesn't make any sense. I don't care. I got direction from the Lord. I remember when, if you'll pardon the personal reference, I remember when the Lord dealt with us 13, 15 years ago somewhere in there to go to Arkansas. His timing was terrible, as far as I was concerned. I'm sure his timing is perfect. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm certain. I'm absolute. I'm confident. His timing is perfect. But as far as my life, right, because we have our lives and we forget sometimes it's no longer our life far as i was concerned his timing was terrible we were enjoying what the holy ghost was doing in the early stages of the church here and man things were starting to move and go and the lord caused me to revisit a place i'd been eight years before in the spirit in prayer and it all came right back to the forefront like it was happening right then and i knew and i was like lord now And he was silent, which told me he was done talking to me about it. I was either going to obey or not. I've learned that about the way he talks to me. I asked him, I'm still silent. Maybe it's part of the military, so he knew I'd learn that. When he's silent, you act on the last order given. So I just heard nothing. I'm like, okay. So I had two choices, disobey or obey. There's really only two choices. Disobey or obey. You say, Well, I'll partially obey. Well, that's disobedience. Is there such a thing as partial rebellion? Well, I'm gonna obey here, but not no, that's rebellion. Now watch. So let's get back on track. So we agreed to go, and we had a question. Some of you know we owned the home out in Hera at the time. And, um, and so I, I distinctly remember we had a family come to my wife and I and say, so are you going to, are you going to like get your house on the market and get it sold and then go? And the response had to be the Lord because I didn't have time to think about it. And I probably wouldn't have said it in my own. I'm not that spiritual. My, my response was, would I put conditions on God for when I would be obedient, Lord? If you're asking me to go, you have to make this house sell first, or else. Now, if the Lord had told me, "I want you to put your house on the market, and then when it sells, that's when I want you to go," I'd have done that. He didn't tell me that. I put it on the market. It didn't sell, and so I can't. I have to go, and so we went. And, uh, and we never sold that house until last year. <laughs> yeah, God had a different plan. Exactly. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly. God had a different plan. That was his plan. That wasn't mine. His ways are so much above our ways. Why do I tell you that? How could I pick up my family and go and be? I didn't have a job. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't even know why we were going. I don't say that like, Oh, I'm so spiritual. No, no, no. I was like, what in the world? How could I do that? I had a word from God. I had a word from God. That was life to me. That was life to me. And you know what? When I got there, it wasn't all beautiful in beds of roses. My wife can tell you five of us living with my aunt and uncle in a single wide trailer. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. You're thinking, oh, but I'm doing what the Lord asked me to do. Right, you are. He's going to humble you. He's going to prove you. He's going to know what's in your heart, whether you'll obey him or not. Because he wants to use you. And he's going to let you hunger sometimes. Because he wants you and I to understand life doesn't come from natural things. Life doesn't come from a better job, a bigger bank account, more food on the table, nicer car, fancier house. Doesn't mean God won't do any of those things, you understand? That's not where life comes from. That's not living. That's all temporary. Life comes from the Word of God. The living, breathed out, uttered Word of God. And you know I've heard from Him. I can't explain to everybody around me why I'm doing what I'm doing, but I have heard from God, and I will be obedient to His instruction. It may cause me pain. It may be difficult to do, but I will be obedient to the instruction of God. And somebody hear me. If you'll make that choice, you'll know what it is to walk in life. You live by the rhema of God. That's life. That's life. I hurry to finish here. The book of John, chapter 6. Watch. Verse 63. Notice what Jesus said. John 6 and 63, he said, it is the spirit that quickeneth. That word quickeneth means makes alive. It is the spirit that makes alive. The flesh, that's mine and your natural, profits nothing. Now you're going to decide whether you're going to live in the flesh or live in the spirit. It's a daily decision. And most days, it's a moment-by-moment moment decision. Am I going to live in the spirit in this moment or am I going to live in the flesh? Right. It's the spirit that quickeneth or gives life. The flesh profits a little bit. See, we, we want to read that differently than what it says. The flesh profits nothing. This is why Jesus could say, without me, you can do Nothing. Why? Because he's talking to people that are going to live in the spirit. Without me, you can do nothing. The flesh profits nothing. But watch what he says. Watch what he says. Please notice that there's a colon there. He's going to further define that first statement. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit. It's the spirit that quickeneth. They are spirit and they are life. The words. That word there, by the way, it's also rhema. It's not the written word, the Logos. It is the uttered, spoken out, breathed out word of God. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit. It'll quicken you. It'll give you life. Stand with me, please, this morning. I believe his spirit is ministering to many of us here today. There's this dumb old song that just came into my mind. Some of you have heard it. Some of you have never heard it. Don't go search it out. But you can raise your hand so I don't feel too old and alone here. Anybody ever heard of this song? It's not a Christian song. Is that okay? I don't listen to it anymore. just probably heard it on the radio in the store or something. You ever heard the song said, Looking for love in... You have heard it. Right? Looking for love in all the wrong places. You ever heard that? Searching for things, I think the next line says, searching for things that never existed or something like that. I don't know. Too many faces, right? All this, right, right. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I, I don't want to get all of the lyrics on that song, get you sidetracked here. <laughs> Let's come back. Let's focus. That's exactly what happens to us in our walk with God. We begin looking for answers and solutions to the wilderness. He has us. He is taking us through. If we're not careful and we start leaning on the flesh, we start looking for answers in all the wrong places. Maybe if I get a different job. Maybe if I do this. Maybe if I do that. Maybe if I fix it. Maybe if I change that. Maybe I'm not picking on you. If you're looking for a new job, don't don't go. Oh no, don't don't overthink. Just listen to the word. Let the Lord guide and direct you, right? But I'm doing this. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that. Maybe me. anybody know what I'm talking about? Anxiety kicks in, and you're you feel maybe not outwardly, but inwardly, you're scrambling. There's got to be it. Oh, sure. Maybe if I. Okay, let me do this. Okay, now I'll do this. Looking everywhere for an answer, a solution, a fix, a stopgap. I think of the little boy putting his finger in the, in the dam that broke through in water, right? And it broke, then he stuck his finger in and it, Oh, so hold on, I can't plug all the holes. I'm going to tell you that's exactly what will happen in your life if you look to fix and navigate things in the wilderness in your natural ability. Because the love of God towards you and His desire upon you and I is so great that He would not allow us to change what He's doing with our flesh to bring it about to bring about His will. He may He may let our He may because He's not going to override our will, so He may let us operate in our flesh and it change what He's doing, but that's not a positive thing. I want to submit to what he's doing and so how do i do that and navigate the wilderness it's the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing the words jesus said that i speak to you the rhema of god that's coming to you the thing you heard from me in your closet of prayer now hear me this morning i'm trying really trying to finish that's why i had you stand Sometimes we go, but I can't hear anything. I know that place. I go to the closet and I cry out. And he seems silent. I know that place. I encourage you. Get in the word. Get in the word. Slow down. Let it speak to you. I don't mean read it. So, well, I read it and I still don't. Oh, slow down. Let it talk to you. Talk to the author while you're reading the book. God, I need direction. Help me. Show me something here. Talk to me. I'm just looking for a word from you. I don't want to lean on the arm of my flesh. I don't want to make decisions in my own humanity. But I know, I believe your words are life. And I need more than just logos, God. I need the rhema. I need the breathed out word of God that is life to my situation. Life to my family. Life to my circumstances. I don't want to produce it in my flesh because that's temporary. I want an answer from you. Your words are life. Would you talk to Him right now? Come on, the Spirit of the Lord would reach into your soul even this morning as He's already been doing. He would reach into your soul. And I believe even this morning give you a word and direction. As you talk with him, some of you may be already. You've gotten it. If you've heard the Lord speaking to you already, I encourage you, purpose to be obedient to His direction. You say, "I heard from Him, but nothing's happening." Oftentimes, that means one of two things: either His timing's not yet, or He's waiting me to be on me to be obedient to what He said. Jesus, lead us. Jesus, we cast ourselves upon You. You are the hope of our living. You are the hope of our life. In You, Jesus, we live and we move and we have our being. In You, O God, we put our confidence. In You, we put our trust and our hope. Living Word of God, speak to us today. Let us walk in this life according to Your purpose and Your plan. Lead us in our daily living for the glory of God. Let us be instruments used according to your will and your purpose, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I'm opening this altar to you this morning. There's some of you here. I feel the desperation of your spirit. And the Lord is acutely aware of your need. He's not hiding himself from you. He's not removing himself from you. It's the Lord that would lead you and I through things because he has